Hello and welcome to another episode of Storytime Dave. I'm your host, Dave. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We have a new current thing. Of course, you've seen the news, I presume, about the leaked decision regarding Roe v. Wade. So that's what we're going to talk about. I don't know how much time I have here. I don't know how long this episode will be because there's I need to go somewhere soon. I just don't know how soon. So let's see how much we can get out here and how much we can cover. Now, full disclosure, I did not read the decision, but neither did any of you. So I don't have enough time here to to open it up and, and to go over it. But what really matters and is important is the final decision and what the ramifications are. So... I don't think we really do need to read it unless we're going to like, you know, unless we're going to discuss abortion as a topic rather than just this decision and the political ramifications. That's what we're talking about here mostly. Taking a sip real quick. You know, abortion is one of those things. There's, there's very few issues that are as toxic in terms of like planting a flag and having a stance. It's very um, polarizing, as you know. And to be honest with you, and you might be surprised to hear me say this, I'm pretty agnostic on it as a whole. And I lean more toward um, allowing it. But it's one of those things. It's like, I, I understand if you were to, if you're a person and you view that as killing a baby, then of course you would be very against it. And it's one of the few issues that's this political where I, I just, and I know it it would be, it make, it would make sense. I love controversial things. You know that. And it would be a perfect opportunity for me to bother people, but it's not. And, and you know, I love to bother people, but I'm, I'm pretty much like, I really, it's hard for me to, uh, to, to be firm in either direction. I understand where conservatives are coming from when they think it's murdering a baby, the fact that they're so against it. And I understand where liberals are coming from on this one, that the woman shouldn't have to, and, and this, this is excluding, um, a woman who is raped and then is impregnated with that. I'm, I'm very, that one I'll have a firm stance on that. I would fully support her being able to have an abortion, but outside of that, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm sorry. I'm pretty agnostic on it. I see both sides of it. And, uh, that's not even what this is really about here. So let's talk about what it's really about. Leading up to this just yesterday, or was it today? Today is Monday, May 3rd. And um, just leading up to this, so let's say just two days ago, the outlook for the Democrats in the 2022 midterms 
could not be bleaker. I mean, this was going to be an absolute bloodbath. We're talking about potential supermajority in the Senate for the Republicans. That's how bad it was looking for Democrats. And it's still bad. It's still bad. But this is the most politically savvy thing I've seen the Democrats do since Joe Biden took office. Because let's face it, they've been taking L's. I mean, we don't have to like, I don't think any Democrats listen to this. But I'm, I'm sure that there's a few people who, who are left, who lean left, or are fully left. And I am going to do an episode, maybe the next episode I do, but coming up I'm going to do an episode talking about the difference between Democrats slash liberals and leftists slash socialists and how I view them entirely differently. And I have far, far more respect. I have respect, period, for socialists. People like Chris Edges, one of my favorite authors and journalists. Just fantastic. And he's a socialist. And I I have the utmost respect for him as a journalist. Glenn Greenwald. I love Glenn Greenwald. Socialist. So it's entirely different. So I think that there do perhaps exist people on the left more socialist types who, who listen to this and find it bearable or perhaps even enjoyable. Who knows? So anyway, it, it's, it's been bad. It's been really bad. This administration has been an absolute disaster. I mean, we have no idea who's in charge. We can speculate and say that it's Barack, but then who's he getting marching orders from? Because he's not autonomous. He's getting marching orders for someone. So we don't know who's running the show, but it's certainly not Joe Biden. But whoever is has been making blunder after blunder and not really understanding the timing. It seems like they were almost oblivious that it's an election year. And so when someone leaked this, whoever it was, and it might've come from like Sotomayor or something, one of like the more activist judges, And the irony of Sotomayor's stance on abortion versus mandated vaccines is laughable, but we don't have to go there right now. And obviously there's a lot of hypocrisy, but if they weren't hypocrites, they wouldn't be politicians. So this move, whoever it was that orchestrated this leak, And maybe it was someone just acting, going rogue, and that's also a possibility. I wouldn't even rule that out, the conspiracy theorist that I am. I wouldn't even rule that out either. Whoever did this is politically brilliant because this is going to galvanize Democratic voters in the midterms like nothing else would. And so if it was orchestrated from the top down, they knew exactly what they were doing and, you know... Kudos to them. I can't even be mad. And I've had this like, my political views and philosophy shifts over time and sometimes more drastically and sometimes a little bit, sometimes it's milder, a milder change, but I've been kind of trying to see things through a realist lens, capital R. I've described that to you when we talk about Ukraine and Russia. And, um, I mean, if you're going to look at it through this perspective, if you're going to look at what just happened with this leak through that perspective, this is brilliant. And you have to give kudos to the Democrats here. 
because they were doomed. And look, they're still going to lose seats. There's no doubt. Because at the end of the day, oh, I don't like that phrase, at the end of the day. I'm going to try not to use it. Because the bottom line is, everyone's paying more for everything. When you go to the supermarket, everything costs more. When you go to get gas, it costs more. Everything costs more. And that's the most important thing. And that's the thing most people think the most about. So Democrats will lose seats, there's no doubt. And they will put themselves in a beautiful position. Politically, this is genius. Because I kind of realized that like, if you're a politician, the best place to be is to be in a place where you can say, well, my hands are tied. And so if you can set up a situation where, for example, you're the president and you're a Democrat, there is nothing more that you would want than a Republican-controlled Congress and Senate. Because then you could say, I would love to do this. I would love to do this. But we don't have the legislative branch. We can't pull it off. And then people will say, I'll just do an executive order, which like they will and they can and they will. But on certain things, it's like, no, this is going to have to be done through the legislature. And we just can't do it. We just, it's those darn Republicans. So that also creates a situation where the government can't do anything, where the government can't, it's, it's a, it's a better, like my, I would rather have no government, I think. But at the very least, I'd like to have a completely hamstrung government that can't do anything, even if they wanted to. And what I'm saying here is that I don't think they want to anyway, especially a first term president or anyone in Congress, because you can be reelected as many times as you want. And if you do something, you run the risk of that thing going awry, or you run the risk of bothering people enough that a, um, that someone could, could enter the, enter the fold who can oust you from your seat. So I'm just trying to think like, okay, if I'm a politician, what would I prefer? And I would prefer the situation where I don't have to do anything, but I can always talk about how much I'd like to do something. We're watching Ozark. Me and Lauren are watching Ozark. I actually didn't watch like the first like two seasons of it. I watched the the third and fourth, I guess. But in the, in the, um, in the series, there's a character named Wendy who's like one, who's like I guess the main character pretty much. I mean, the family's the main characters, and Wendy is mostly the focus of the show, and then her husband Marty. <clears throat> and um, she always says this, where she keeps saying, "We're so close. We are this close." Like when she's about to lose the family, they're gonna turn on her or or whoever or if she's dealing with the cartel, or if she's dealing with politicians, she always says this, we are this close, we are this close. And that's how you wanna operate as a politician. So you wanna say, maybe you're a senator and you're in the fifth year of your term, and you wanna be able to go to the voters and say, listen, I know that I didn't pull it off. I know that I said that I was gonna do blank, and I know that we weren't able to do it, but you gotta believe me, guys. We are this close. And if you send me back there for one more term, I promise you, we will pull this off. We are this close. There's no better place to be as a politician, 
especially like a congressman where the terms are short. There's no better place to be than to be able to fool your voters into thinking we are this close. Just send me back there and I'm going to make it happen. And then you go back there and they're like, why isn't it happening? And you're just like, there's, there's these darn Republicans. I'm doing everything in my power, but it's these goddamn Republicans. They won't let it happen. It's simply out of my hands. There's no better place to be as a politician than there, in my opinion. So, Joe Biden will be in, in better shape is what I mean when they lose the when they lose the house in the Senate, but they won't be in as bad shape as possible in the worst shape possible, which would be if this Roe v. Wade thing didn't happen, but this, and you see it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw that video of Elizabeth Warren, just like screeching outside the Senate chamber outside with some protesters, just, you know, kind of embarrassing herself. It's a little sad, but it has produced just a, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely there. Nothing else could have attained that politically. So you have to look, even if you're like me and you, you just have contempt for the democratic party, just pure contempt. Even I have to admit this was brilliant. This is a brilliant move. Now here's the other side of it and why people, especially if you're more like libertarian minded and you, you believe in um, the federal government having less power, this isn't such a bad thing. Um, and we'll discuss that. It is the, it's the worst thing for women, pretty much. It's the worst outcome, I, I think. And I don't think there's any avoiding that. Um, because you are going to have, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So you are going to have this go back to the states. Because the legislative branch is too afraid to touch this. It is too politically toxic to actually pass a law. When was Roe v. Wade even passed? I mean, not passed. See, I'm, I'm saying it now. It's not, it's not a law. It's just a ruling. Roe v. Wade, when was the original? Um, 1973. So you, you see that um, for 40 years, they've been able to kick this can down the road rely solely on this court decision and this is not the way things are supposed to work the supreme court is not supposed to set policy they interpret laws that are supposed to be passed by the legislature but that doesn't happen we've given the supreme court too much power that's why people get all bent about it it the 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 judiciary, I mean, if anything, these three branches should be equal in power. Well, no, because even in the, see, that's not even right. The legislative branch is supposed to have the most power because those are the, the directly elected representatives or so they call themselves or so the slaves believe. But either way, that's supposed to be the most powerful branch of government. But they're not willing to do their jobs because they put themselves at risk of losing elections by having convictions and integrity. The last thing you want as a politician, going back to just what makes a good politician and what makes for good politics, the last thing you want is integrity. The last thing you want is conviction, unless it's fake. And you can make that work. Look at Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry if I upset anyone. 
But that man has conviction. It's fake. He doesn't actually manifest into anything. I don't think he actually wants things to happen. I'll always appreciate that he supported Ron Paul to audit the Fed. I think that was in like 2010. But did it happen? No. Nothing that he says that he wants to happen happens. So, yes, the man has convictions, but that's it. They're, they're useless. So he's a great politician for that reason. That's why he keeps getting reelected, and you have to respect that a little bit. Okay, so let's think about this, though. This is a big issue that hasn't had a law because the legislature is afraid to pass a law for or against. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And you, you politically, you can't blame them. As a person living in America, you can blame them and be mad at them. But as a political, from a political realism perspective, you can't fault them for that because it would be a disaster, even if it was a Democrat. Look at a guy like Joe Manchin. This is a Democratic senator in a red state. You think he wants to vote on abortion? You think he wants to vote on abortion? You think he wants to vote on abortion? No. He doesn't want that getting to the floor. He wants nothing to do with that. And he's not the only one. He's just a good example. Even in a, even in a really blue state, it's like they just don't want to have to do that. It's too much pressure. It's too much responsibility. And the potential fallout is too great. So they want to avoid it at all costs. Now you have Bernie Sanders tweeting, well, again, look, watch this fake conviction. Look at this. I forget what the tweet was exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like Roe v. Wade needs to be codified into law. In order to do that, we need a supermajority in the Senate, but we don't have that. So what we need to do is remove the filibuster so we can pass it with 50 votes. Okay. But do you have the 50 votes to remove the filibuster? No, you don't. Because of Joe Manchin and Cinema, whatever her first name is. I forget. Christina Cinema or something? Is that what it is? It doesn't matter. So Bernie knows that. He's been a senator for decades. He knows that. But he's still going to tweet about it and make a big fuss about it because it's fake conviction. He knows that it's not possible. And again, politically, this is an amazing position to be in because all of the focus and blame gets shifted onto these two senators who aren't going to be on board to overturn the filibuster. And you know what? You could argue um, someone who wants abortion to be legal would say, well, they're cowards. And I would say they're correct. And that's why they're not doing it. I would say it's, it's... Again, it's like, is it cowardice or political savvy? Are those two things the same? Oftentimes, yes, they are the same. Regardless, they don't want to do that. But there's ramifications for getting rid of the filibuster where you're being less short-sighted. Doing something like that is short-sighted. And so even though I don't believe Joe Manchin and Cinema who would probably most likely vote against 
removing the filibuster are doing it for that reason, it still is a um, it still is a result of that that they can't just do this that could be used against them later because no one thinks about that politics is short-sighted and it's it's there's no avoiding that it's always short-sighted but if you're looking from the outside in you're like okay well that would be a bad idea because then when the republicans have 50 senators they're going to do whatever they want so that's probably a bad idea it seems better for everyone and then again again as a politician you want that supermajority requirement because it allows you on more issues more frequently to be like well look we don't have the supermajority i don't know what to tell you i'm doing everything i can here i'm trying to convince these republicans but they won't budge so even the democrats who are who are very in favor of abortion being legal across the country even in the back of their minds, they're like, I can't get rid of this filibuster. I need that. Because I want to get reelected. Make no mistake, Elizabeth Warren can screech outside the Senate as much as she wants. And she can say, I care about abortion this much. There's nothing Elizabeth Warren cares about more than being reelected. And if you don't realize that, then you're not cynical enough. And it doesn't mean you have to be cynical about life. But it does mean you have to be cynical about politics and politicians. There's no level of cynicism that is too high. You can only not be cynical enough when it comes to politics. You can never be too cynical. There's no such thing. Just look at, I mean, look at what happened. Remember when I tried to have a white pill moment? Here I was. I tried to have a white pill moment. Look, this, I'm not trying to, like, like, I'm not trying to make it all doom and gloom and like it's awful. It's like, again, this is realism. It's not like necessarily good or bad. It's just how it is. But remember when I tried to have that white pill moment with the uh, truckers, with the Canadian trucker convoy? Oh, well, this is so great. They're really doing something. This is the people rising up. What was the result? Everything got worse. They were suspending people's bank accounts. They used the Emergencies Act that they didn't even use on 9-11. It increased the power of the government. So here I was, egg on my face. I tried to be white-pilled for a minute. I tried to be optimistic for a minute. You can be optimistic about everything you want. And just don't do it with politics because you're just going to set yourself up to be disappointed. I mean, you can. You can do whatever you want. You can uh, be as optimistic as you want. What I'm saying is you will always be disappointed. At least, if you're looking at things cynically, you get a little bit clearer view of what's happening, why is it happening, what are they really doing. Again, no one's happier right now about this Roe v. Wade soon-to-be decision, because this wasn't a decision yet. Nothing changes yet. But it will probably, I think, in two months when this uh, when they actually publish their, um, you know, whatever opinion on it, their ruling. No one's happier about this, though, than these Democrats. Because especially if they were on the chopping block, like they might be out the door. <laughs> 
Well, maybe not anymore. And this is their issue now. And they needed one because they had nothing. They were really going to go into the midterms being like, we have to defend Ukraine. They were going to try to drag out that Ukraine. And you know what? It's very, it very well may last that long, but it doesn't matter anymore. It's irrelevant. No one cares anymore. There's a new current thing. And that meme is so brilliant. That meme is really good. And there's a new current thing. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. But there's a new current thing. And it has a lot more weight with voters. So no one is happier about this decision than Democratic politicians. This is really good for them. You can't avoid that fact. It is really, really good for them. I'm taking a sip of water. Okay, so... Now, here's the other thing. It's going to become a state's issue because the legislative branch isn't going to step up and pass a law one way or the other. They're not going to do it. They haven't done it for 40 years. Nothing's going to change on that front. It will not be made into a law one way or the other. So it's going to be put back down to the state's. And this is an example of a big, really, really polarizing issue becoming now directly a state issue. And so if you don't like the federal government and you prefer at least the lesser of two evils, which would be the state government, this is a win because it puts more power in the hands of the state. And... It also opens the door for, you know, for Democrats who are who are really upset about this. Well, now it opens the door for. And states have already been doing it, but they're going to be more. um, The states that haven't are going to now and. Maybe they'll even pass new laws that are even less restrictive to women's abilities to get abortion in certain states. So, yes, there are going to be women in certain states, and it's going to be very, very difficult for them to get abortions, even impossible. But there's going to be states where there's going to be no rules. And look, I mean, they're going to say, well, no, but for poor women, it's it's that's who suffers the most. And you know what? Poor people suffer the most whenever anything happens. Okay. So, yes, that's true, but it's not saying much. Like, yes, no matter what happens, poor people suffer the most. Yes. Thank you for covering that. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. But if it's that important and if it's an abortion and if it's an unwanted child, that means you have nine months because you're going to have states where they will let you get an abortion up to the day of birth. I think even in California, someone like uh, floated a bill that said you can abort the baby seven days after it's been born. And I mean, that that one's tricky. Can I take a firm stance there and say that's killing a baby? Am I allowed to do that? Can I take a firm stance on that? Can I say that's weird? So I, I know I get it. Like, yes, poor women, this is going to be bad for them. But you have nine months to get to another state 
and get this procedure done. That's a lot of time. If you live in Texas and it's going to be illegal there, and I don't know if it will become fully illegal no matter what, but if it does, then look, you've got nine months. You got to get to the nearest blue state. I don't think that's something that someone just can't do, even if they're poor, especially if it's this important and you don't want to have this baby and you want to go get an abortion. Well, you're going to have to figure something out and get yourself to a blue state just for a day and get this procedure done and then leave. And there's a lot of states that will literally cover the cost. And there's going to be more states that will do that. So all things considered, it's like state governments were already passing laws. And basically they had gotten the okay. I don't really know. I can't, I can't give you a um, an astute explanation here. But for whatever reason, the, the, the courts gave the states the okay to start passing laws. We've been seeing this happening over the past year where states, mostly it's been red states, uh, passing laws that are making abortion more restrictive. And so this was already happening. It just reverses things now. So whereas you had um, the status quo being that abortion is allowed, and then you had red states reacting to that and banning it or making it more restrictive, now you will simply have the opposite where it won't be allowed. And so you'll have blue states reacting to that and saying, well, it's allowed here. In fact, it's allowed here all nine months. So this is political. It's all political. And it's a big, big, big deal if you're only looking at it through a political lens. If you're looking at it through just like, what are the ramifications of this? It's what I just described. It's like, everything basically ends up being the same in a few months when these state legislatures have time to pass all the laws they want to pass as a result of this. It might not even take that long. It might be a matter of weeks. They'll probably prioritize this and get it done quick. And then you're going to have a situation where it's basically the same as it was. And what's going to be different is that some red states, it's going to be totally illegal. And then some blue states where they might have had rules about third trimester abortions, well, those will probably go out the window. And we're going to be left with more or less the same situation. So as with most of the things that people go on the Capitol steps and screech about, it's rather inconsequential overall, the policy change. Again, I'm not really weighing in on the issue itself. I know it's an opportunity to be very controversial and to upset a lot of people. Not on this one. I don't even want to touch this one. I really don't. I understand both sides and I often don't. It's like something else that's been in the news the past week has been this ministry of truth or whatever they're calling it. The Homeland Security Disinformation Panel or whatever. That to me... I'm not going to be nuanced about that because it doesn't warrant nuance because it's one sided and it's black and white. I know a lot of things aren't black and white. This is black and white. 
to me, my interpretation of it. If you support a disinformation board, which is a subset of Homeland Security, then you're a clown and I can't take you seriously. I, I'm not, I can't be nuanced about it because there is no nuance. You're just a clown. That's it. I can't take you seriously and you're a clown. So there's no nuance. And I don't feel the need to be nuanced. But this is a different issue. Because on that issue, what I'm describing, I can't see the other side. The other side are hysterical liberals who don't want to see the Hunter Biden story is true. They don't want to see that. They don't want to know that. They don't want to know that the vaccine that they injected their three children with is dangerous. They don't want to know that. They don't want to see that. They want that to be banned. They want people who say that to be punished. I can't take those people seriously. It's a one-sided issue. One side is right and one side is wrong. That's very rarely the case. I'm not trying to oversimplify in general, but on this one, I can't see any way around it. It's simple. It is. There's one side that's right and there's one side that's wrong. And just because the one side is right doesn't mean they're right about other things, but they're certainly right about this. And just because the one side is wrong, okay? But when it comes to the abortion thing, I really legitimately see both sides. So I'm going to be nuanced about it and I'm not going to take a firm stance in either direction because, um, you know, I just don't. I just don't have a stance in either direction that's firm. And people could sway me either way on this one, you know, a good argument, although I think I've pretty much heard it all at this point as basically everyone else has. You know what the arguments are. I think they're both compelling arguments. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I'm agnostic. There you go. This is rare, so just take it in. You know. Oh, man, I'm stretching. What do we even do here? We're at 34 minutes. I think I pretty much covered it. I don't know what else to say. There's other things that I want to talk about, but they'd be better off being their own podcast. I don't want to break off. We've kept it focused here. So in conclusion, or maybe not conclusion, because I still have a little more time, a little bit more than I suspected initially. (laughs) The winners here are... The Democrats. The winners here are Democratic politicians, I should say. Not the Democrats. Not the people, but the politicians. This is a jackpot. It's a full-blown jackpot for the Democrats. It is extremely impressive that they were able to pull this off with the timing to really build up a new coalition in the absence of Trump. Because with Trump, it was effortless. And maybe that's why the first year of Biden was so bad, because they forgot how to be politicians. That's a thought. Because it was so easy for them. They didn't have to do anything. 
and they're better being they they are better being the party of quote unquote resistance. And now here they have a brand new thing, a new current thing. And this current thing will not just be a current thing. This will have staying power in a way that, you know, COVID did. Because COVID, though it had its time as the current thing and it's over now. Or, I mean, they're trying to bring it back. It's not working. They've got a new current thing and this thing has staying power. And it really, like, they can keep this being an issue. Even if my suspicion, and I could be wrong about this, is that there's one of two ways the Democrats could go with this so they can keep it as an issue. And they say, well, we're going to pass laws about it. We're going to make federal laws. We're going to make it legal in every state federally. And they can keep that going for decades. I mean, cause it'll never happen. Or if it, if it ever does one way or the other, cause Republicans can do it too. But if it ever happens one way or the other, it'll take so long. It'll be like, weed legislation which they still won't do again that's gone down to the states but it's still federally illegal it just doesn't matter they're not enforcing it if something's illegal and you don't enforce it it's not really illegal you know i hope you understand what i'm saying with that it's still illegal technically but if you you know if there's a police officer standing in front of you and he's like you can't smoke weed and then you light up a joint in front of him and he doesn't do anything, well, you're smoking weed. It's fine. So one of the two things the Democrats could do is just keep saying, we're going to do this, we're going back in, and then it'll be the year 2050, and they'll be like, we are this close. We're this close. <laughs> and they could keep that going forever, which is the, that's probably the smart thing to do. The other thing to do would be to kind of like the gaslighting of their constituents by saying, well, it's better off as a state's issue. Really? It was always destined to be a state issue, and it's better that way. And um, I don't think they'll go that way, but they could. And the more things become state issues, the better. Because, look, man, you know, I'm only... um, I'm only like anarcho-capitalist in in theory or like I ha- I like the thought of it. I like to do thought experiments with what that would look like. And uh, it's a cool idea and I like it, but it's just never going to happen. I'm not like, it's like a liber like I've discussed before, it's like a libertarian thinking that a libertarian will win the presidential election, but really thinking that. And you're like, guy... Get a grip. It's just not going to happen. You should know that. You should know better. Do you want to be serious? Do you want to be a serious person? Do you want to be taken seriously? You should know that you'll never win, libertarians. But it's fine. But like, And it's fine. Like, I don't mind libertarians. I'm not a libertarian myself. I don't mind them. I find them far more tolerable than a Republican or a Democrat. Far, far, far more, you know, likable even. But they will, you'll never win. You'll never win. You'll never win. It'll never happen. So just, but just know that. And it's like, so there are, there are 
political beliefs that I have, and I know they'll never happen, but I still like them. And that's okay. You, you can like that stuff. I forget what even brought me here. But that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap up. Um, anyway, uh, that, the point I was going to make was I know that there will never be no government. And I know that there will never be good government. But at the very least, at the very least, there may be a, a future reality where the federal government loses power and the state governments gain power. And that's better because you can escape a state more easily. You can move to a better state that better aligns with your values. And they're there. And there's a lot of diversity in states, luckily. So if you don't like New York, you can move to Texas. And if you don't like Florida, you can move to California. You got a lot of options. We like if we've got to keep the system that we have, which it's not likely to change, at the very least, you want the states to have more sovereignty and autonomy. Anyway, that's it. Um, that's it for now. Uh, I got to head out anyway. And uh, I'll be back soon, though. I'll definitely be back soon because there's a lot. There's just so much. There's always so much to talk about. And I love talking to you. Thank you for listening and uh, goodbye.